With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's always soccer in Philadelphia on a Wednesday night or maybe a Thursday morning or whenever the hell you're listening to the podcast. Kevin Kincaid joining you. Baxter the dog is, uh, I think he's downstairs somewhere, probably begging for more food. I watched him take a carrot right out of my hand uh, earlier today, and he didn't even ask for it. He didn't even have the courtesy to ask for it. But we're very happy to be uh, talking about soccer on the podcast. Now, we have a special guest joining us on episode number, I think this is 45. I always do the the podcast. I never know what episode I'm on. I think it's number 45. Uh, And joining us tonight all the way from Los Angeles, California, uh, somebody who's been on the show before. Um, only once, but I would describe him as a friend of the program. It's the Dalai Lama of soccer, Mr. Simon Allen, joining us. Simon, what is good, man? Oh, thanks, uh, Kevin. Thanks for having me on the show. Listen, you're, you're sort of making us sound like uh, we don't know each other. We've been working together for a long time, and <laughs> it happens that we've just done two shows, but uh, going back a very long time. Thanks for having me on, and you're one of the only shows, one of the only podcasts I listen to is yours, so just be, that's... Uh, High praise, by the way. I just want to, you know, you're doing a fantastic job, and as always, I'm a big fan of yours as well. Well, hey, I appreciate it, and you know what you're talking about, and that's why I have you on the show. You've known what you're you, what you're talking about, uh, going way back to our days on the Vuvuzela uh, radio show. Yeah. Uh, I, you had me on your podcast a couple times, and yeah. now I have you on. That's how that's how it works, man. Glad to uh, glad to reciprocate it, you know, and keep it keep it going. They say um, the devil knows his own. That's why we work together. <laughs> That's very true. And uh, you know, I told you off off the um, before we started recording that we would start with the good teams and end with the bad teams. So we're going to do uh, Zlatan first, a uh, little bit of other MLS stuff, and then we'll get to your team, your town, your Philadelphia Union. But first things first, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. It's his world, that, and we're just living in it. Uh, you were living in the stadium yeah, uh, yeah. when it happened. So uh, tell me what you saw and what happened. Well, listen, I'm, I'm, I've been in the stadium, you know, well, I've been do, listen, I've been doing my podcast in 2005, right? So I'm not, I was originally not really wanting to go to the stadium watching. It's a lot easier to watch soccer, you know, at home, and you can, you know, it's, it's a lot easier. But for the past, I think, five or six years, I've been going there to watch it. And this time around, you know, obviously, you, you can imagine how the crowd is feeling. But it's mostly, obviously, LA Galaxy fans are down 3-0. They're chanting, we want Zlatan. Um, he comes on. And his, you know, obviously the the first goal he makes, credit given to you know the other goals in this in this particular match, all all fine goals. But people came to see Zlatan. Um, I'm literally about a meter away to the right of the goal, and it, it looks like it's a th- it's like ultra 3D. It's coming towards me, and I'm sitting there going, "What's going on here?" And it goes in, and the whole place goes wild. I mean, and and that moment I'm sitting there going, "Yeah, I, I think." Uh, Everyone can sort of shut up about you know Zlatan being too old for this league because it just not doesn't make any sense. And then the second goal, I'm literally I'm in the same spot, and um, a friend of mine that I work with is like, oh my goodness, I can see Simon smiling, and he takes a photo, and it's like it's like one of the rarest photos you're ever going to see of me at work, which is essentially me smiling at work, and it was amazing, and it and it is really regardless of the match itself. You know, it was a great time to be a Major League Soccer fan because, you know, regardless of what you think about getting old players in or whatever your feeling is, you know quality when you see it. You know legendary quality when you see it. And here, here, here he is, you know, Zlatan in Major League Soccer, and he's going to be in a town near you. And it's going to, I think it's going to be an amazing season, obviously. So my first reaction when I saw that, and I don't really react to a lot of things these days because when you, when you work – you know, behind the scenes, uh, yeah. and you're covering the game. You you try not to be like emotional or like you don't really care. You're kind of like like numb to a lot of things because you've seen a lot of stuff before, you know. And it's just kind of business to you when you're writing about a team. 
but I got off the couch and I like I made some kind of sound. I don't even know what it was. It was like a yelp or like a squeal of, of sorts. Thing, uh, yeah. <laughs> just because I mean like, like sound only dolphins and very very old dogs could hear. I'm sure, right? <laughs> that's right. Because I was just like I was like shit. Of course, like of course it happened. You know, I, I mean that's what I was thinking. Like here we are. He's scored on like every debut he's ever made. Um, but you know, I kind of poo pooed the whole thing. Cause I, like I went on Facebook and Twitter afterwards and I was like, uh, I don't, you know, I really think there was a foul in the play leading up to that. Uh, and you seem to disagree with that. You thought that it was uh clean. Yeah. It's, 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 listen, I've said it before and this is my go-to line. You know, we're, we're, we're this is not ballet, mate. You know, we're, we're playing football here and that, that was it, any, any referee that would have given that stopped play for that particular quote-unquote foul would have been essentially killed if it was in the 1970s in, in, in Italy or something. It would have been ridiculous. And, it, and, it, and on top of that, it really wasn't. It, it was just two really weak guys, no offense uh, to anyone out there, who went up for the ball and they sort of bounced off each other. So, you know, I don't think any referee would have called it. And if they were, they were really... They, if they did, then they would be probably the worst referee in the history of Major <laughs> Well, we're League. talking about... Well, listen, we're talking about Mark Geiger, uh being in the center for that game. And I can only look at it as a, as a guy who's played center back my entire life. All I know is that when the defender doesn't look at the ball and he looks at you and he jumps into you while I'm trying to go straight up for it, you know, I could understand that if it was your team, why you might be pissed off, you know? And, yeah, Yakovic has to go up ten times stronger than that, obviously. You know, the optics of a guy like him, kind of a softy, being the guy who received the contact makes it look bad. But I think the only reason I was coming at it like that is because – you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, everybody in MLS was so – or anybody had anything to do with the league or anybody to do anything to do with the league website or anybody that wanted to see popularity or national attention or international attention for, for the league was obviously – obviously got their highlight. You know, they got what they wanted. You know, MLS was the talk of the town. It led ESPN. The game wasn't even on ESPN, and it led SportsCenter at 6 o'clock, you know. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. But, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking, like, if I if that was a Philadelphia Union and they clattered into – Friggin' Austin Trusty or something like that. I think some people would be would be kind of pissed off, you know. I I, I think you hit two spots here, and I'm, I would I, w- I don't want to argue the validity of the of the referee's call because never ever in your life will you hear me defend a referee because I don't really like them. But you know they're the, one of those necessary evils. Yeah, yeah. I you can you can email Kevin on that one. Um, <laughs> but uh, to, to me, it comes it really comes down to this. You knew that this was going to come. The guy was going to score a goal. By the way, that that factoid you said about him scoring at every. Um, you know, every every match, that he, every team that he's ever played, or the first time he's ever played for that team, that factoid wasn't held around at all before this game. You might be saying that now. Uh, only a few guys were saying that. I, I think only me actually was saying that yeah. before this particular match. But now, when it was, when after the fact, when hindsight is twenty twenty, of course the pundits come out. Now, the, the the reason why I think a lot of people are mad because oh, the referee didn't call this, and this was offside, which again it wasn't, is that well. More than likely, the team that, you know, the, 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 the people that listen to my podcast, your podcast, they're probably not LA Galaxy fans, or they're probably not sort of Zlatan fans, and they're probably not going to see him week in and week out, and it's gonna, it, it stings a little that the Union don't have a Zlatan, or, you know, New England Revolution don't have a Zlatan, or, you know, Colorado Rapids don't have a Zlatan, so it's very difficult. And doubly, doubly, and here's something that you, you, you would have to think of as a as a journalist, as a proper journalist. As soon as that goal was scored, every two-bit bloggers who thought they knew anything about soccer just realized they have a job for two seasons. That whatever they write about Zlatan, it's going to get hit. (laughs) You know, some hacky guy who doesn't know the first thing about a football, let alone, you know, how to even report a game or how to analyze a game, now has guaranteed people going to be clicking onto his website, his blog, whatever, and I'm not even going to say which ones, <laughs> and they're going to be talking about Zlatan on him. So now the legitimate guys like you and me, <coughs> pardon, pardon me, you and me, now we're going to be something, now we're going to be a little bit different. Now we're going to be even more smart than we are. Now we're going to be even more sort of insightful because Zlatan has made our lives harder, but the, but he's made the jobs made the lives of hack writers much easier well that's true i mean like mls headquarters got what they want you know don garber's having a hell of a time seeing his highlights pop up all over the globe but 
one of the things that I think when I look at it, it's kind of like a, it's a kind of like a double-edged sword to me because on one hand you get this amazing talent coming in here. Uh, ML Zlatan is the talk of the country, you know, the talk of the international footballing world for a little while. But then you bring some of these people out of the woodwork. Some of the MLS is a retirement league and MLS is shit defense. And this guy's just out there for a final paycheck. And you know, as well as I do, that quality is quality at any age, you know, and one Zlatan, one Zlatan at age 36 doesn't change the fact that the average age of the, of the average foreign player that's coming over to major league soccer is younger than it's ever been. So is this just a necessary evil that we have to live with every time one of these guys come over here, we're just going to have to live with the retirement league thing, whether we like it or not. Well, okay. So the retirement league thing is, you know, Kevin, you know, I love you, man, but that's sloppy journalism. You know, no, you, I know, but I don't. You know, I don't subscribe to that. I'm right. saying like these right. these I'm people. Saying, in, in, sloppy, I know you don't subscribe, but that's just sloppy, sloppy bullshizzle journalism. Retirement, retirement league, my ass. You know what? You know, no one complained one bit when you know the two guys from Toronto, the two American guys from Toronto, who were literally you know European failures. No, no, scratch that. They were Premier League failures. Came over here and got a huge payday. No one said. It's a retirement league because they were Americans, right? Yeah. So number one is there's that aspect of it. Second off, tell me, just using this particular game, Jao um, Moutinho, uh, Laurent Simon, Stephen Betashore, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. Y- y- you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of the, the, the four defenders in the back. Betashore is an honest to goodness certified Iranian international. Laurent Simon is not a joke. The Portuguese guy is not a joke. So to me to say, well, there's bad defending. Well, maybe if you look on the other side of the pitch, maybe there could have been some de- bad defending. I'm not going to count Ashley Cole in there. Yeah. Uh, but then I can use Ashley Cole as probably, like last season, you know, an old guy that no one wanted to come, in, come to the LA Galaxy. Who was the best player on the pitch week in and week out for the Galaxy? So, <coughs> so pardon me, I want to say this. I want, you, I want everyone to understand what one of my biggest sayings is on my show that I've been saying for God knows how long now. There are no young players and there are no old players. They're just crap players and good players. Mm-hmm. Which one does your team have? There you go. That's it. Yeah. Well, look, and I mean to, to further you know that point just a little bit before I get on to the next thing, uh, Zlatan ju- just scored 17 goals for Manchester United. Like, he just did it. And, like, the only reason he probably came over here instead of playing a second season with United was because of the knee injury, you know? Well, and, and then you can you, so then you can erase the whole theory that he's here to sort of recoup and, and be on vacation because he spent a year recouping, getting that knee ready so he could come here and actually play. I mean, yeah, he could yeah. come here last year and yeah. sat on the physio's bench and said, okay, I'm here, thank you, and wave. And everyone would be mad. So let's give him a little bit of credit for that. Yeah, so the, the, whole, the whole money thing, like he's here for the money. You know, just today he was essentially, you know, the, the stuff that we knew came out. So he was offered $100 million to go play in China. And he's coming over here to be a regular player at $1.5 million, Not even a designated player for the Galaxy. A regular old player for $1.5 million. Some of these critiques have to be put to bed right away. And then, and then just dismissed. And we're going to have to be doing a lot of that. And I've always subscribed to the fact that Americans, again, I'm, um, I'm an American now, and I had to learn this the hard way when I became a new American. Mm-hmm. Americans don't, listen, no one's coming in, right, to, to essentially watch a, 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 a 20-year-old American soccer player play. With all due respect to Jordan Harvey, who was on the bench, no one's buying a season ticket to, for the LA um, FC to watch Jordan Harvey. You know who they're buying a season ticket for? To watch Carlos Vela. And on the flip side, you know, I don't think many season tickets were sold because Daniel Steris is, is on the starting 11. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I've been joking for many, many years, and I'm going to show you how old this joke is. My line has always been on, 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 on my podcast. No one bought season tickets to watch Digital Takawera. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's, that's some MLS one. I've been saying this. That's, that's some that's MLS 1.0 point point stuff away. right there, man. No, I was just saying that was that's some uh, that's some MLS 1.0 stuff with uh, exactly, drop dropping exactly. digital. You know, yeah, yeah. Long, I mean, I've been the fan since day one. So have you, you know. And and by the way, this sort of reminds me of when David Beckham showed up. And people don't want to make that comparison. And on the football field, definitely not. But I've literally never um, until David Beckham. I never saw anyone so like rabid about American soccer until David Beckham. And now again with Latan. I was I was in the. Um, I was in the press conference, and this is part of the 
kind of the job I hate is to sit around and, and listen to this. It's just the most boring nonsense. Yeah. And literally, I've never had more fun in a press conference ever than with Zlatan. I mean, it, it, it could very well be a, you know, a Hollywoodization, finally, of, of these press conferences, the way you actually have some proper quotes. You know, that you can actually make a, you know, a good story out of what this guy said rather than like, yeah, we've, we've done great, we played good, big ups to the, you know, the defense. I mean, it was literally a fun time after the game. So. Yeah, well, God forbid that sports would be fun, you know, and, people, and that people might not take themselves as seriously or even the guys who, who walk the walk like that back it up. You know, I mean, it's... it's... Well, well, there you have it. And I think that's part and parcel of the deal. That I think a lot of Americans fall into two categories and you could sort of... People can email you and let me know how wrong or right I am. There's the there's the there's the sports people that are humble and and you know there's there's one of those sort of sort of guys that are sort of I don't know by the book kind of guys who are straight laced and you know there's that kind of sports person that the sports fan likes. And then there's this Latin guy who's you know against the grain, a rebel. You know the guy who points to the stands when he's going to go ahead and make a home run. That kind of guy. And there's no, the kind of there's guys you like that kind of you know sports guy. There's fans like that. Yeah. So Slatan falls into the latter category, and I'm pretty much pretty positive that he's gonna he's gonna essentially bring new fans into the game, which is essentially what every team wants, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen. Let me. Uh, I'm gonna move it on to the next thing, but I want you to answer me one more question about that real quick. Uh, you remember Red Bull versus LA Galaxy five to four in two thousand seven. I felt that was the best, most entertaining MLS game of all time. That was uh, at Red Bull, and like that was when uh, like Tom Arnold was there yelling and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yes, if that's anything that anybody remembers from that game, it's that Tom Arnold was there and he was wearing the scarf and he was oh. yelling. And Carlos Pavone had a brace. And uh, I believe that Abel Javier might have been on the field. I can't even remember. Josie was like 17 years old. Uh, was this this LAFC, LA game, the El Trafico, was that game better than uh, 5-4 Red Bull Galaxy? Uh, okay. Yes. And I'll tell you why. It's, be- it's only because this is a true derby, right? This is, a, this is the only team in, in Major League Soccer that the team is in the same city. Let's be honest. Well, I mean, you and, tell me. You're from. You're in Los Angeles. Is Car is Carson considered Los Angeles? Yeah, of course, Carson is. Yeah. Okay. Then is Burbank considered Los Angeles? Then I mean, come on. <laughs> no, I mean that's that's kind of what I felt, but I figured out you know better than I do. So the, the 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 geography portion is nonsense. You know, like I don't mind. You know, you know, horrible, you know, sounding, you know, names like El Tráfico. find it hard to disagree with that all right let's talk about the CONCACAF Champions League Toronto <laughs> FC Toronto yeah. FC with a three to one over Club America uh Red Bulls playing Chivas as we record so I, I don't have I don't have that game on in the background but um let me open this is how I want to open this Simon uh Toronto FC yeah uh they have my favorite thing about Toronto FC is that when you look at their roster it's a work of it's a work of art in terms of exploring every single different avenue of player personnel you can have, okay? okay. They got Bradley, Javinko, and Josie running around. Three designated players, right? They're using all the slots. Uh, you got Ashton Morgan out there as a homegrown player. Uh, right. Gregory Vanderveel, he's a TAM-level player. You got, uh, who else? Alex Bono, uh, draft pick, right? Yeah. Uh, you have Drew Moore, a highly coveted free agent who decided to go play for you. You have uh, who else? You got Marky Delgado, who was it was in the Chivas dispersal draft. Right, uh, Zavaleta, ex Chivas, I think. Uh, and Zavaleta, yes. Yeah. So I mean, 
you go down this list and they have they have perfectly navigated every single uh, avenue of player personnel that is available to them and that to me is just as impressive as you know paying millions of dollars for three high-priced dps i mean when i look at toronto fc they're the model for the future and that's why they're beating mexican teams three to one okay wait wait so so but so you don't consider michael bradley and josie Altador, you know the guys you make what five million a year the you know a deep a dp in the way that say, the la galaxy gets dps Wait, say that again. What are you What are you going with there? So you So you. What you so you painted the picture as like Josie Altador and Michael Bradley are these guys that you know we picked up from high school and uh, placed on the team, and they're doing so well. But in fact, they're just they're more expensive than Zlatan. You know, you can buy three Zlatans for the price of one Josie, right? Well, I think the point being is that like when you watch these these teams play in the Concacaf Champions League in the past, there's always been like five or six or seven or eight like dudes who can play with all the Mexican guys no problem but like it's always been like like depth has always been the issue like obviously you're not going to throw 11 Zlatans out there you know or 11 Javinkos out there you know you just can't do it but you know the fact that Toronto is now patching up the starting 11 with guys like Drew Moore and Delgado and Vander Veal and stuff like that I mean I think to me that's the biggest turning of the corner in this competition since the days of you know, Real Salt Lake and Fabian Espindola friggin' blowing it at home against Monterey. Yeah, no, I, I will agree with you. I mean, I think what they're doing right now is very smart. I think part of the deal with Toronto is that they know they can, you know, essentially be not worry about Major League Soccer the first couple of matches. Yeah. Focus on this, which I think is, is, the, is the upside of, let's say, uh, you know, not, ha- not having promotion and relegation. So all those people who want promotion and relegation is like, hey, guess what? You know, this might not happen if this was around. Um, the, the the guys you've mentioned. Um, did you mention Jovinko? By the way, I think, yeah. uh, I think <laughs> briefly, probably, briefly. Yeah, the glue that sort of holds this this team together, in my opinion, when it comes to quality. And and then you're looking at a guy like last year's Justin Morrow, who I thought was one of the best left backs in the league. Or yeah, yeah. Three or top two level. He's sitting on the bench at this point, you know, and you know, trying to get a spot on there. Yeah, and I didn't even mention like like Vasquez is is there on the bench too. That new Spanish dude that they signed, a Kiche or whatever the hell you say his name, he's there too. I mean, they've got like like good players on the bench, right? And 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 but I really think more importantly is is the original point that they 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 got these obviously they got these players, and you would expect the the, the national champion or MLS champion to, to essentially feature against Club America. It's a pleasant surprise. But they also have the they also have the luxury once again of not really worrying about the league at this point. They they're gonna they're gonna focus on this. Some people call it sandbagging. I don't call it that. But they'll just go ahead and play whatever they can during you know during the week and then focus on on Concacaf Champions League and uh, hopefully they'll win. I mean I can't take anything away from this 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 victory for Toronto FC. I mean literally I was surprised. I'm like no America Club America. I mean Peralta is gonna is gonna go ahead and school them. Not 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 the case. Not so not not the case whatsoever. The back line was it was pretty was was horrible. Vargas and Alvarez were not very very good in my opinion. Yeah. So you know, I'm, and again, I'm not going to take anything away from the fact that there's three guys on the pitch for for Toronto. That again, these guys aren't just guys you just picked up from the local you know from, you know from the local you know park. These guys are you know DP quality DP players. Tons of money was spent on them. So maybe this is the litmus test, or maybe this is the way to do it moving forward. Um, we shall wait and see. Can we wait till the, you know the final and see what happens? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I was going to say that I don't. I even at three one going back to the Azteca, I don't. I I don't feel comfortable with that at all. I don't. I wouldn't feel comfortable with four one or five one or or six one. They would have to beat uh, Club America ten to one or any Mexican team ten yeah. to one before I'd feel comfortable about any game in Mexico. But I, I liked how they played Tigres on the on the road in the. In the quarterfinals, you know, it wasn't this this bunker bullshit, you know, like they, they went and played. And, and, uh, and, and by the way, I think you, you, the, the guy that you really should focus on, and, and I and I'm focus on, is, is, is Alex Bono. Um, yeah. I think this guy came out of nowhere. I forget who the last goalkeeper was, whether it was, it was Clint Irwin. Clint or Irwin, yeah, it was Clint Irwin, yeah. yeah. Um, but he's come out of nowhere, and I think, for example, and I don't know if he's American or Canadian or whatever he is at this point, but he's going to be the guy that we're going to look and go, oh, look, Americans make great great goalkeepers. Because you know there's been a little bit of a downturn in that. I think if the, the better Toronto FC do, the more Bono is going to be one of those guys that are going to hold up and go, look, we can still produce American goalkeepers. What do you think? 
Yeah, no, I mean, I've said that from the beginning, you know, and that's always part of the reason that uh, part of the argument I make when I when I felt like Andre Blake had value for the Philadelphia Union that in, in a theoretical world, if you could make some money off of him, that you could feel good about replacing him with an American dude because that's that's been our earliest and most often export, Casey Keller and Tim Howard and Brad Friedel and all these guys who went over to England, Brad Guzan, you know, even if you want to go there. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, I, I feel com- comfortable with that. Absolutely. You know, I think the interesting thing about the second leg is that, you know, Toronto went out and tried to play a little bit against Tigres, you know, last time out. And I would rather have, and they scored some goals, and I would rather have them go out and lose 5-3 to three, uh, at the Azteca instead of bunker in and lose like 2 nothing. You know what I mean? So I, I I think they can get it done. I'm not I don't, I'm not huh. comfortable with the 3-1, to one, but, I mean, this is better than anybody else has done. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if you can't get it done this year, then I'm not quite sure what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, like, okay, this would be the year. This is where, where the stars line up. I guess this would be it. Um, if and here's the funny thing, uh, the way I see things with Toronto is this: they might very well not be, you know, anywhere close to the top of the table this time you know, at the end of the season. Yeah, this could be their only opportunity to be in Concacaf Champions League. Are they going to go ahead and go all the way? Remember, Montreal tried to do it, and it just it just didn't quite work. Yeah. Let's see what happens. No, I mean, the test of character will happen if if they. I don't say when. If they lose, so uh, I'm I'm excited about it. Do I wish it was a, like a you know a, a team from the Americas, i.e. the United States rather than Canada? Uh, then yeah, I wish it was that. But we'll take Toronto if they win, right? Yeah, works for me. Works for me. We will. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. I'm excited about it for the first time in a long time. Um, uh, here's the thing, but, but, but Kevin, yeah. I just think that you're you're sort of portraying an image of Toronto as this like team like the old Colorado Rapids that won MLS Cup that were essentially a bunch of, you know, retreads and, and, and rehires. No, 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 no. I'm not I mean, saying that. that I'm not saying that at all. more money in that team than just about any other team in the league. So. No, but that's what I'm, I'm saying that, like, you know, it's it's they've they've taken advantage of of everything that's been available to them. You know, that's part that's part of the reason. You know, they've found a way to get you know, instead of having quality one through five, they've they've found a way to get six through eleven to have the same quality, yeah. you know. And then that's like what was always lacking, you know? Yeah. Because there'd always be some weak link on these teams, like a left back who was just like shit that the yeah. Mexican yeah. teams would like they rip just apart. Ran you know? right through yeah. them. They knew yeah. exactly the weakest spot. They went through it and by that time they figured it, the the American team figured it out it was already too late. Yeah, but it's interesting to hear you say like they don't have to worry about the league because I've never really thought of it that way. I, we've always thought about these guys are basically playing their preseason. They they haven't played any games yet. You know, they're just starting their league and they're playing the knockout rounds of the Champions League. We always saw that as a detriment to them. Yeah. You know, but now if I think about it that way, if you're uh, you know, Miguel Herrera and the Club America boardroom is saying, "We want you to finish at X position in the league, X position in the domestic cup, and X position in the champion league, then, okay, you have to think about some shit to juggle. And I know that's a luxury that only the best teams have to worry about. But, yeah, I mean, when you take that out of the equation, it does make it easier, I guess, theoretically, for Toronto to, to put all their eggs in one basket. Yeah. I, I think it's a good thing. Um, and it, that would change, with, again, low-hanging fruit here. Promotion relegation would change that. Every game would, have to, every game would matter, so I guess that um, – Concacaf Champions League would be so out of the picture that people wouldn't even care. Like, I don't want to get relegated. Yeah, but well, well. We all together. I know just people send emails. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Promotion and relegation. That's another uh, another uh, pod, five, five pod. shows right there. <laughs> another podcast for another time. All right, uh, let's talk about the uh, Philadelphia Union, uh, who completed an exciting three uh, nothing loss in uh-huh. in Colorado. I had, you know, I have a lot. I put jogged. Jotted down a ton of notes and stuff. I finally got around to watching the game tonight. Uh, I've got a million things I could say, but you give me your uh, outside perspective on uh, on the 2018 uh, squad. Wow. <laughs> well, okay. So last year, I promised um, that I wouldn't say anything bad about the Philadelphia Union <laughs> personnel-wise or anything like that. But I have to be honest. You know, I have to be really honest of what I'm looking at. If you know Baji is coming towards you. You need to, as a defender, essentially close him down. The fact that he could essentially turn around, pass the ball to a player, you know, facing away from the goal without any sort of any sort of resistance whatsoever, uh, I thought it, it is ridiculous. And, and and let me be very, I, I mean, I don't want to. Can I name the players, or should I not name the players that I thought really needed to work on their, you know, 
No, name them by all means. This is uh, we don't we don't pull any punches on the Always Soccer in Philadelphia podcast. So I think Jack Elliott, you know, is was essentially one step behind. It was always on the back foot when it came to, um, you know, came to defending. I hate to essentially, you know, bag on a on a guy from my own hometown, but <laughs> it wasn't good enough on the day. Um, other than that, there were some players that I thought really on, on, on the back, I thought you guys got to do a lot better than this um, because it was literally one guy. It was literally one guy making plays and then finishing them. And, and uh, to me, Colorado is not a team that I would even rate as being, you know, in the, you know, in the, going towards the, uh, the MLS Cup final, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, a t- it's like the – it's like um, – Austin Wenger used to say, you've got to beat the teams you can beat. And Philadelphia needed to beat a team like Colorado Rapids, and they just didn't. And unfortunately, um, I don't see anything, I don't see anyone coming in in the, in the Philadelphia Union that is going to change it. There is no, and I hate to say it, there is no Zlatan coming in at any level whatsoever at the Philadelphia Union to change things around. Not that it was ever going to be, but these guys aren't really performing against the teams that they should be beating. Pound for pound, I think Colorado Rapids and Philadelphia Union are on paper the same team for me. Well, you know, I think to that point, uh, you know, when you consider the fact that they started two homegrowns on the back line the other night, uh, Jack Elliott, who's a second-year, fourth-round draft pick, and Keegan Rosenberry, who's entering his third year coming off a a sophomore slump, um, you know, I think it's obviously – you look at that and you can expect some mistakes to happen. Nobody expects them to lock it down every single game. You expect growing pains on the back line. We all did coming into the season. But when you look at the talent that they have in the attack now, uh, David Akam, CJ yeah. Sapong, uh, Borak Dochkal, uh, right. I know Fafa Pico's not playing yet, but he's going to be in on the next game. Fabian Herbers is an experienced dude who's had two years to play. Ilsenio over there. Uh, Alejandro Bedoya at the number eight. Madunian, I mean – the rest of these guys, to me, the disappointment wasn't letting Dominique freaking Baji score a hat trick. It was that, you know, that attacking group can't figure it out and doesn't seem to have any chemistry yet and, and doesn't really know what they're doing going forward, doesn't really seem to have any ideas. So I guess the question I would ask you in, in relation to all of that is, does, does Jim Curtin have enough, te- enough talent uh, on this team now that Philadelphia Union fans can stop saying, well, they're not spending, they're not bringing in talent? Like the way I look at the roster – I think it's good enough to be a, a fifth place or a sixth place team. Um, but what, but what, then what good does that do you? It doesn't do you any good. But I mean, that's I think we've relegated ourselves to that's probably the best you're going to get. You know, but I think it was very easy to say, well, Jay Sugarman's not spending. Jay Sugarman's not doing this. They threw one point two million dollars at a really good winger. Uh, they have a striker who's coming off a sixteen goal season. They went out and got a, a number ten who's got somewhat of a pedigree. He's not. Uh, you know, Diego Valeria or anything. But, I mean, theoretically, when you look at the attacking pieces China, on paper, though, right? they should be. Number 10 is, was playing in China, not exactly. Nah, but, I mean, he played for Sparta in the Europa League and the Champions League, Sparta-Prague. Um, you know, he had a good stint at Rosenborg. Played played some international games for the Czech Republic. I mean, it it seemed to check out, you know, for me. I, don't, I didn't see why, um, you know, obviously it's not a, a blockbuster signing, but I think it was serviceable for what they were looking for. Chicago Fire was, I think, the best deal that you could probably get to come to the Philadelphia Union. I think it was like one point two million dollars, right? Yeah, it's basically taking taking somebody else's taking somebody else's money to take a player that nobody else wants anymore, right? Yeah, you know, uh, the, the guys that you took out, I thought were were, were a little bit more interesting uh, to me. Uh, you got re- you know Charlie Davis retired, so there there you have someone that you can't really be you can't really replace. Uh, Gucci, who I think didn't really have a great time there, but then you know, again, he was a guy that you could say, okay, well, he'd be, he's good in the locker room. Chris Pontius came our way to LA Galaxy, which I thought was the dumbest thing that could happen because we know Chris Pontius is a quality player, no matter how old he is. So it's not the guys that I think came in. I don't think, for example, Fabinho and all those guys. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what. I mean, I don't think that anyone really thinks they're going to make any difference. Signing homegrown players just isn't going to cut it in, in the modern world when it comes to Major League Soccer. Okay. So you can have all the LA Galaxy 2 players and all the Bethlehem Steel players in the world. Number one, again, we know Americans love stars. They're not going to come out to see Matthew Real or Mark McKenzie or whoever the heck you got from Bethlehem Steel, <laughs> right? On top of that, you didn't bring up any, any players that are any talisman players, which I think maybe, for example, you know, 
Charlie Davis was could have been or was a, 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 a talisman. You don't have that now. It's always been the same. Since day one for the Philadelphia Union, there hasn't been that player or doesn't have been the personnel that can essentially say, when the time comes, you know, when people are doubting the team, we're going to make a difference and score goals. The same way, you know, there's no Ronaldo or any kind of a Ronaldo yeah, or even a yeah. fat Ronaldo on the Philadelphia Union. There was one guy that was a goalkeeper um, whose name escapes me who should have never gone to let go, but he was old. But other than that, it hasn't been around. And I don't think Jim Curtin, even if he, even if he was you know, Antonio Conte or if he was Jose Mourinho or if yeah. he was anyone else, could do much with these players. Now, the, the kick to this is this. There's, there's always the caveat. You can look at the, the, the MLS Cup winning team of the Colorado Rapids, who were pretty much the same kind of team that the U- Union have right now. Yeah. Guys brought in from other teams that no one wanted. Old guys that you know, were, on, were on their last leg. Some college players, and they had a good, had, and they had a good coach, you know. And I'll remind everyone where he was from. He was from England. Gary right? Smith. And they, and they won, and they got a, they got a good streak behind them. They beat the players, the teams in front of them, and they won MLS Cup. And I think that might be the way to go when it comes to the Philadelphia Union. You know what you're getting. Figure out what, what the Colorado Rapids did to win, and then go ahead and do it. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of what we're trying to to wrestle with over here, you know, because. I've always said from the beginning that the best that the Philadelphia Union can give you is probably still not good enough, you know. And whether they go out and buy all of the discretionary TAM, whether they go out and spend $1.2 million of somebody else's money on David Akam, whether they go out and get, and get that designated player number 10, I, I still don't see, you know, like you're saying, there's no Zlatan on this team. There's no Javinko on this team. There's no David Villa on this team. There's right. no, there's not even a Nacho Piatti or a Mauro Diaz on this team, you know? So when you look up and down the list, who's going to make a play for you? It's yeah. not Bedoya. It's not Medunian. It's not Sapong. Maybe it's a Com this year. It's not Pico. Is it going to be Dochkal? It's, you know, Andre Blake is really the only dude on this team who can change a game by making a play. Am I wrong? Andre Blake is the player on your team, is the best player on your team, okay? And and I've said, and I even said that last year, I go, I, I wish Andre Blake came to, to the LA Galaxy. I just, as an LA Galaxy, I wish this guy came to the LA Galaxy because we really needed him. Andre Blake is the best player on the team, and that's the problem. When you when the goalkeeper is the best player on your team, you, <coughs> pardon me, you have problems on the team. Your best player should be your number 10. Your best player should be your number 7. Your player, best player should be your number 9. Not your goalkeeper. This is not indoor soccer, all of you. So yeah, I, I think there's the case. I can't. I can't blame Coach Curtin for losing three zero when when the guy's on fire on the, on the Colorado Rapids. But I can blame you know whoever else is in charge of the of the, of the Philadelphia Union for not going out and at least trying. If Zlatan came for one point five million, then someone in the boardroom doesn't have a big enough rolodex. Go find someone. Yeah. They're out there. They want to play in the United States. No matter what happens in the world, they want to come over here and be anonymous and go down the store and pick up, you know, bread and milk and not be, you know, hounded by people. They're out there. Just got to go find them. So, so Simon, let me <coughs> let me kind of wrap it up with this then. Sure. What it, what is the? I think what we're trying to figure out in Philadelphia here. Uh, I think we kind of already know the answer to it. We're just trying to convince ourselves, maybe. But what is what is the end game here? You know, are we stuck in this purgatory of saying, well, Jim Curtin's just never going to have enough talent, uh, that they're never going to spend the right kind of money, they're never going to have a squad that's really good enough, um, or are we going to go over the hump and say, you know, another manager can get more out of these guys? Maybe they do have enough talent here. Like, I feel like there's this push and pull where we got one foot in the door and one foot out the door where half of you feels like you have enough talent to maybe sneak into the playoffs, and the other half just sort of is like – doomed to this realization that it's never going to be good enough, that Philadelphia's good best isn't going to be Toronto's best and isn't going to be New York City's best? Well, I'll, I'll put a sort of a, a doom and gloom scenario on it. One day in American soccer, there's going to be so many cities that are going to want to be in the top tier that people are going to look around and go, well, who's not performing well? Who's a, who's a sucky team? And they're going to look at the New England Revolution. They want the New England Revolution because they've got a big name. They'll look at the Philadelphia Union, and they'll look at, let's say, what's going on in Columbus Crew. And go, hey man, you know what? This is not working. And they're going to say, you know, you guys don't do something about 
you know, crappy attendance, the fact that you guys aren't winning, and the fact that people are not happy to be supporters, we're just going to go ahead and move you. And I think that might one day, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, or maybe, hopefully never, but some, sometime maybe could happen. And that's going to light a fire under someone's butt. But every, every franchise in America, every soccer franchise in America, needs a David Beckham moment, needs a Zlatan moment, needs a moment to where the guy walks out and says, I'm playing for this. You know, the, the day when, when um, Clint Dempsey came out and he, he had the, the, the Seattle Sounders shirt on, that was their David Beckham moment, okay? And unfortunately, the, um, you know, unfortunately, the, the, the union haven't had that moment yet, and they need to get it. And unfortunately, again, you, people have to put, press the, the, the audience and say, spend some bloody money. They're out there. They're not that bloody expensive. Again, I repeat, 1.5 million for Zlatan. I'm sorry, but that that just make that gives that gives the fans more like more of a of a voice to go up to their owners and say, if LA can do it, we can do it, and that's it. Well, we will be waiting for that moment in Philadelphia. Let me put my boots on, Union, and, and and become a free agent. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, we we. We shall see what happens with uh, with everything. You want to see that, mate? <laughs> we shall see what happens with every everything. Philadelphia. I don't even really know what to think at this point. But people are listening no, to the no, podcast. No, and they're like, I mean, Kevin. I mean, like you've been, you you are living. A, it's like a broken record over there. I mean, how does the average fan of the Philadelphia Union sort of justify spending money to go watch a team that they kind of know they might if they might be in fifth place? And that's. I mean, is it just because? Yeah. I mean, is it just? I don't know. You tell me. Why? How do you justify that? Oh, I don't. Well, I mean, I don't know. I think everybody's kind of struggling with that internally right now, and there are a lot of people who didn't renew their season tickets. But I think you have some people who begrudgingly say, "Look, you know, this this is our team. You know, we never had a team here until eight or nine years ago, and uh, you know, whatever we spend." There's some people who just like going down and bringing the family and the game day experience and all that shit, and don't really care about wins or losses, but. Uh, no, I mean, it's a question that people are asking. I don't know. I think they just see it as their team, and Philadelphia has this weird way of attaching itself to something no matter how shitty it is because it's ours, quote-unquote, you know? So, it's, it's, oh, Philly, Philly is traveling to um, LA, LAFC mm-hmm. on June, but they don't play the Galaxy, do they? So it's only at home, right? Uh, that is correct. Yeah, they get LA at home in the summer. Um uh, yeah. I, I, I pretty much asked uh, Coach Jim Kern <clears throat> that whenever he's in L.A., that if he comes, if he just tells me where he is, I'll go meet him and I want to interview him and I'll buy the drink. And uh, and that's because I, I, I turned myself around yeah. on Jim Kern. I was very hard on him. Uh, I was super duper hard on him. And, and, and that's not, you know, and then he literally made me sort of change my ways when it comes to it. And, and, I, and it's probably the only person in the world, in the soccer world, that sort of, Put me in that sort of position. Say, wait a second. Let me rethink what I just said. Yeah, he did yeah. it, and I give him a lot of respect, and I, and I really like the fellow. And I hope he does take my sort of offer when he's here. I love to talk to him. I, drinks are on me, obviously after the match. Uh, I really want to talk to him because I really think he is. He has done a good job of what he's what he's been given. I think anyone who you know would be crazy not to take a job. So you ch- so well. It's interesting to me that you change your mind on Jim Curtin because yeah, like you were saying, you were one of the you were. Uh, up against, yeah, right up, right up, right up until, uh, right up until that. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, I like the guy. You know, I think he's got a hard job. Any one of us, again, would would take this job as a great challenge. He's done it. He's done it, and he's and and it's it's unfortunately the pieces that he's been that have been laid in front of him. It's like playing chess, but you don't have you know you don't have a queen, you don't have a rook, and half your pawns are missing. You know, so yeah. he's really doing it. I really respect the guy, and like I said. He's in LA. Drinks are on me. I said it. I said it in public. I apologized in public to him, and I really mean it. I really want to talk to him, and I want to shake his hand as well, too. Okay. All right, Simon. Well, if you're uh, if you're out in Philadelphia, then the drinks are on me and uh, all, right. all the listeners of the podcast. Thanks again for coming on, man. It's always a pleasure. It's my, um, should... my pleasure anytime. Listen, when Kevin Kincaid calls, you better go on. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> maybe I can get you on as like uh, maybe we can do this every couple months. I, I got to get you to be one of. Uh, you know, you know how like when you watch Fox News, they always have the same five people on all the time. You, you got to be like the uh, 
like the Dr. Sebastian Gorka of the uh, Always Soccer. Right. Always soccer I'm, I'm really not liking that comparison, but seriously, <laughs> before you said that, I was going to say, get out of my dreams. That's awesome. <laughs> well, it's a weird way of uh, handing out a compliment. So thanks again. Right, uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> thanks again, Simon. Follow, uh, follow Simon on Twitter. It's, uh, do- is your handle Dalai Lama Soccer? And his website. Oh, oh, guys, listen. Yeah. Foodball Network. I'm, I'm a big wig on the Foodball Network. I want you to go to YouTube and check out the food, like football, but foodball. I'm guaranteeing you'll love it. By the way, just going to give a little plug right there. And you can find the uh, podcast on SimonAllenSoccer uh, dot com as well. Uh, Simon, a friend of the program, uh, joining us again <laughs> from uh, Pasadena, California. Simon, thanks again, man. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll do it again. All right. It's certainly my pleasure. Have a good time, everyone, and all the union fans out there. Go support your team. All right, it's time to get to your questions, comments, and concerns, and miscellaneous bitching, and whatever else you want to get me uh, with on Twitter. But first, uh, a little programming note for you all. I forgot to mention this last time, but you may have realized that uh, It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia is now part of the Crossing Broad uh, podcast network. Uh, Basically, what we've done is we... Uh, there were three new podcasts that were launched uh, on the site, and uh, Russ, uh, who's been doing the Lord's work and trying to get everything organized at Crossing Broad, uh, ha- has wrapped everything together um, into one big network. So we took It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia, and we put it together with Crossing Broadcast. Um, Crossing Broad FC is going to be a new one over there. There's a Phillies podcast, a, a Flyers podcast. Everything's going to be together on one big network, and um, it just helps us like streamline everything and keep it all together. Uh, you know, if we want to sell advertising in the future, we can sell it as a package deal and things like that. But it just made sense to put everything uh, under the same umbrella. So now you can find uh, It's Always Soccer with uh, on the Crossing Broad main website as part of the podcast network. Uh, day-to-day purposes really doesn't change anything. You know, it's going to be me and Dave um, or me and whoever, uh, you know, I can get on uh, f- for interviews. Um, you know, I'd like to have Russ and Phil uh, from Crossing Broad on to do some cross-promotion and get them on the podcast. They've got some good stuff to say. They've rolled out a podcast called uh, Crossing Broad FC where they're going to talk about uh, non-union soccer, so Champions League, Premier League, La Liga, stuff like that. Um, definitely go and check that out. They've done a couple episodes so far. Um, I will send out the link on Twitter, but um, go ahead and support them because they're working hard on this stuff. Uh, very happy to be intertwined as one sort of network here and taking this thing. Uh, to the next level, right? So it's always soccer in Philadelphia, now part of the Crossing Broad podcast network. Um, you know, before I get to the questions, actually, I did finally watch the damn game on Wednesday night. I was at a death metal concert on Saturday night. Well, only <clears throat> two death metal bands, actually. Monster Magnet was there, and they don't really count as one of them, but, but they were good. So uh, just some notes about the game real quick. Um you know, I mean, I thought very early in that game there was a penalty shot for Herbers. I didn't think it was a penalty. Um, Doge Call actually had two early through balls, like right at the beginning of the game. One that he tried to clip over the back line, and another that uh, he played on the ground to a calm. Um, you know, they really started on the front foot. I thought they started pretty well. Uh, CJ had an early look um, with a header that went over the bar. I looked like he kind of got turned around. I was hit like off the back of his head, like he couldn't keep his body straight. Um, Herbers had a really good opportunity in front of the net. His left footed. Um, uh, sort of shank that came off his shin. It looked like the ball was spinning a little bit, but uh, Medunian and Dutch call looked pissed at him. Uh, pretty demonstrative with their hands after he hit that over. Um, Matt Real, I thought was okay. Um, you know, just played a pretty conservative game. Um, you know, some of the communication with the calm defensively over there was a little weird. There was a 2v2 situation in the first half um, where they left a. Uh, a 2v2 on the flank where they let a guy get free and that guy put a cross in and then Real came out and kind of shanked a clearance that led to a shot for Castillo. Uh, not his finest moment there. Uh, Dutch call had another cross for a calm later. That was pretty dangerous. Um, what else? Some macro kind of stuff here. I thought Keegan Rosenberg was the best good player on the field. Uh, he just looked assertive. Looked like he knew what he wanted to do with the ball. Hit some good crosses in. Uh, defensively pretty sound. Nothing really came down his side of the field. Uh, Sapan looked like he was off on the night. Um, you know, on the second, on the first goal, actually, yeah, Elliot gets caught at the back post with a little bit of ball watching, but CJ actually lost the first, um, aerial duel on the knockdown. Um, so I just think CJ was off, um, you know, the, the chemistry between him and a common, uh, Dochkal and Herbers on the right just didn't look that great. Um, I thought the set pieces were, were really good though. Harris hit some great balls in, 
Dutch call hit some good balls in in the second half. Um, the wind was kind of crappy. The conditions were not great. Um, you know, Bedoya, I, I mean, I really didn't see a ton from him. He had one uh, ball that was played back to the back post. I, I remember specifically where, like, three guys were crashing the, the <laughs> near post instead. Uh, three guys making the same run. Uh, you know, on the second goal, Simon kind of mentioned this too, but guys are just sort of all out of position. Trusty gave uh, um, Baji a lot of room there, but Medunian wasn't anywhere close to affecting the play defensively at all. He could have easily slid over there to help. David Akam was sort of tracking back after a, a quick free kick that Tim Howard took. Um, so neither one of those. So the midfield really did not help out the back line on that second goal. And then he got the unlucky deflection from from Jack Elliott. Um yeah, they went three five two at seventy five minutes. It was two nothing. Probably too late at that point. I mean, I think as soon as you go down two nothing, if you're going to make an attacking switch, you do it. Corey Burke came in. I thought El Senior looked okay going forward. Um, then when they went three five two, it was interesting to see Austin Trusty kind of push forward a little bit. Uh, you know, on his left foot, he's played a little bit of left back, so he's not unfamiliar going into those advanced positions. Um, yeah, they had four shots on goal somehow. I don't re- really remember any of them off the top of my head. But, uh, you know, it just a lot of meaningful possession that really accounted to nothing. Um, you know, more than anything, I mean, it's hard to really, you know, focus too much on, on the young defense giving up three goals when the offense, you know, more experienced offense, like I was saying to Simon, really didn't do anything to help him out. You know, the, the, the strength of this team and the core of this team is supposed to be the experienced midfield and now some good attacking pieces. Um, so I don't think it's fair to slag a young defense for – giving up three whatever goals when the offense wasn't doing anything on that end. So there you go. That's uh, all the notes that I wrote down, finally getting to watch the game three days later. So let's see what you guys have for questions here. All right. Uh, (laughs) Matt George uh, says, is Villanova Philadelphia? Well, I think if you've read anything that I've wrote or anything that I've uh, rambled about on Twitter over the last 24 hours, and yes, it's part of Philadelphia, whether you like it or not. Uh, Russ from Crossing Broad says, if the union struggle to score through the first 10 games, does the front office finally look hard at replacing Jim? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think they do. I'm I'm just of the mindset that I feel like there's enough talent on the team now that it's just hard to say that they don't have have it that Jim doesn't have anything to work with uh, no he's never going to have the same amount to work with that Greg Vanny has or Bob Bradley does or Siggy Schmidt does but I think they've got enough talent to be the fifth or sixth place team in the east uh, do I feel like they're still bringing a knife to a gunfight yeah you know but last year's team didn't have David Akam and um you know, a guy come, you know, CJ's now a 16 goal scorer, legitimate player. So I don't know. I find it harder and harder to say that, you know, that his job is secure. If, if not now, then when, you know, this is the, the 2015, 16, 17, this is his fourth full season now. You know, that doesn't even count the half season uh, before that. So Phil Kaidal from Crossing Broad says, who should manage Man City next season? Man, they got blasted today, didn't they? Jesus. Uh, so I guess what? Now, the thing is to say Guardiola out. He can't do it. Uh, so the answer to that question is obviously Big Sam. Big Sam Allardyce has to coach Manchester City. Uh, pack it in, defend, you know, two lines of four, a couple of shitty strikers up top. That's the uh, Sam Allardyce way. Jason says, could this union team beat Red Bull's B team who have already beaten Portland and Minnesota? Yeah, yeah, they would. But I don't think it would be pretty. MK27, What's the, uh, which number will be larger by the end of the season? Number of road wins or the number of Josh Yarrow appearances for the first team? Jeez. And uh, Barry Barry responding to that saying, zero, the same. Uh, yeah, Jim didn't seem to be too hot on uh, Josh Yarrow, uh, or, or hasn't been really for these last couple of weeks. I think in the press conference earlier today, he was mentioning something about his injury and then kind of transitioned right to Mark McKenzie uh, you know, right as soon as he was done talking about Yarrow. So I think they're very low on him right now. I'd, I'd be really surprised if Josh plays much of anything this year, which is kind of a shame, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Ryan says, are you as annoyed as I am at people who clamor for the union to quote-unquote play the young guys but then question if they should continue to watch the team when they lose 3 to nothing away while deploying the youngest back line in league history? 
Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of that two edged sword that I've talked about on the podcast before, where it's like, you don't get a friggin' trophy for playing the youngest back line in league history or whatever the hell. The only people that pleases are fans of the United States national team and, you know, people at MLSsoccer.com. You know, like, I don't think the average Philadelphia Union fan would give a shit if, uh, you know, eight homegrowns won uh, three to nothing uh, versus, you know, five homegrowns and three foreign guys winning four to nothing. You know what I mean? It's it's all, you know, play the kids has always been a supplemental kind of thing. Nobody's putting 11 uh, academy players out on the field and uh, winning with, with just that. I mean, you look at the greatest teams around the world, and I've said this before, uh, Barcelona. You've got Messi, you've got Iniesta, you've got Xavi, you've got Sergio Busquets, but they still go out and buy players like uh, Luis Suarez or Samuel Umtiti, um, guys, you know, who, who come in and are compliments. You know, not even Barcelona's rolling out 11 academy guys. Uh, Manchester United, when they had Giggs, Scholes, uh, Nicky Butt, David Beckham, the Neville twins, they still had uh, – uh, who else was on that 99 team? Like Roy Keane, uh, Dennis Irwin. Uh, you know, like those guys were not – you know what I'm saying? Like it's – it's homegrowns can never be the the be-all, end-all of, of the equation. You know, it's nice to create some of your own talent, and that helps you alle- alleviate salary concerns, of course – because they're only making sixty five, seventy five, eighty five thousand dollars, whatever. But no, I mean you, nobody's going to expect you to put a bunch of kids out there, get your ass kicked, and then say rah rah. Well, at least we played a bunch of kids because you don't win anything for that, you know. Uh, Doopy brothers, should fans keep complaining or finally be patient? We spent the money signed to ten, and we're playing the kids. Uh, everything that people seem to want, uh, yet I still see bitching on every union post. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, that's basically what I asked Simon. You know, I mean, like, are we at the moment of, like, reckoning here? Have we, I I always said on the podcast back in the day, I was like, well, Ernie is here. Everybody got happy about Ernie Stewart coming here because this team finally seemed to have a plan, you know, and a bona fide executive in the front office. But, you know, I think people are slowly coming to the realization that the Philadelphia Union's best isn't going to be good enough. You know, and that's a shitty thing to realize. You know, they have spent a little bit of money. They do have a 10. (laughs) They are playing the kids. Um now, what if that that all that said, they start out one and four, or one one and three, or something like that? Uh, you know, then what? You know, then I think it the only thing that that it falls back on is to make a change. You know, because they've tried to change everything else they're doing, and they've tried to explore a bunch of different avenues and bring some kids through the system and, and put some money into some decent enough guys. So I think the only other place you can go with that is the coach, right? Um. Matt Matt also says is Nova in Philly. I guess I struck a, a chord with that man. I, I sorry, I was fired up about that man. I just I can't get over the people who bitch about the Villanova thing because what the hell does it really matter? You know, what I mean, like you got uh, Harris Madunian in is not from Philly. Dario Sarge is not from Philly. How many dudes on the pro teams in the Philadelphia city limits, quote unquote, are from Philadelphia? You know, the Sixers are rolling out a dude from Croatia, Australia. Cameroon, France, Italy, and Turkey, you know, but nobody seems to say, well, they're not Philly people. Meanwhile, Villanova's got a dude from Great Valley, a dude from Newman Goretti, a guy who went to Archbishop Wood, you know, a guy from Silesianum is shooting the lights out on national television. So I just like, I can't fucking deal with the, with the Villanova thing. If you don't like them, you don't like them. That's fine. Nobody's saying you got to like them, but you know, to automatically just say, well, they're not in Philadelphia as a way to like discount them. It's like, who cares? Everybody claims Mike Trout is like Philadelphia's greatest son. He's from friggin' Millville. You know, you could drive to Villanova and back by the time you got out to Millville. All right, anyway, I digress. Uh, Rich F. says, who's to blame for the downfall of the union? Is it the front office, the coaching, the ownership, and money? Or players not living up to expectations? I mean, it's really everybody if you think about it. It starts with the front office with not being competitive when they needed to be. They're always three or four years behind not having proper training facilities, not having a practice field, not putting money into coaching, you know, bringing Jim Curtin in probably before he was ready, uh, not spending enough money. You know, some players who were soft as shit, really, if we're being honest, you know, and I think Mike Sorber would probably tell you the same thing with that. Um, not that they really appreciated that, but anyway. Um, what are the union's plans and goals? Are we tanking? Are we trying to win? 
Feels like a train without a conductor. Well, they're not tanking. I mean, because you can't really tank. You know, you can't do the process in Major League Soccer because, what, you get the first draft pick every year? You can't build a team with just draft picks. You know, this isn't the Sixers and stumbling on a Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz and, and all that Sam Hinkie stuff, you know. So, uh, I mean, I guess they're trying to win, you know, trying to develop some players for the national team as well through the academy. And maybe that's an auxiliary goal because they know that they just really can't uh, compete in MLS, you know. So maybe if they get Derek Jones in the national team, they can hang their hat on that and feel good about what they've done, you know. Uh, Dave uh, says, are you ready to get rid of Curtin as I am? Uh, this team has no idea what they want to do in the attacking third. This has been the case since 2014. Historically, his teams rely too much on the counter. Uh, I mean, I just don't, I don't, if it's, if not Jim, then who, you know? I mean, it's year number four, like I said. And if, if they're in the same position they were last year, you know, come, come end of April, beginning of May, halfway through May, uh, there's there is no excuse anymore you know and he knows that there's there's no there's no excuse beyond that you know uh vincent says i got tickets for 721 will zlatan give us zlatan i don't know i gotta look at the schedule does he have something else going on then i can't i'm sure he'll come out here and play but uh unless they got like a unless they have a weird like wednesday sunday or something like that i have to look that up Doobie brothers trying to get in another question here uh union lost three nothing man city lost three nothing uh, so are we closer to City or are Colorado closer to being Liverpool? Um, I'll say that ni- neither team is close to being either of those teams. <laughs> Zach says, uh, will Pico have an impact this weekend, assuming he starts? Uh, yeah, hopefully. I mean, Fabian, you know, had a, a shot here, and I just didn't really see that much from him. You know, I still think he's getting kind of flooded out there on the right with, with Bedoya's weird tendency to kind of hang out up there and kind of junk things up up there. But uh you know, everybody had Pico penciled in as the start at the beginning of the year, and he's got a lot of speed over there. Akam's got a lot of speed on the left that we really haven't been able to see uh, too much of so far. So I'm really interested to see how uh, to see how it works. You know, I, I still think that right sided thing is a big pain in the ass for them. Uh, Garrett says, "Would investing in charter flights become a new type of advantage for MLS team, uh, especially teams like the Union who do so poorly on the road?" Uh, yeah, absolutely. But um, the MLS rules state that you can only take uh, a couple of charter flights every year. That's one of the big things that the players want to change and one of the things that I think needs to change to make the league more competitive. You know, it's ridiculous to put these guys on the same plane as us. You know, I think Dave and I talked about that um, a couple weeks ago. Jesse says, why can't the offense get anything going? We spent all this money in two attacking stars. Our offense looks disjointed. Um, you know, I think it has to do with the build-up play. I don't think Bedoya is really – helping out that much with the buildup. I don't think Doge calls comfortable yet with the team. Akam's still trying to figure out his role. I think the chemistry is all junked up. I just really don't think they've had that much time to play together. And to the counterpoint, I think Dills was saying on Twitter, like, well, Colorado's got a bunch of brand new guys uh, on the team too and a brand new coach, and they looked okay. I mean, yeah, sure. I, that's the counterpoint to that, obviously. Uh, I think that's valid, but I mean, it's not like Colorado was like a well-oiled machine the other night. I mean, they got a goal off a set piece, and then they got like a – a bullshit deflection goal, and then I, I can't even remember what the hell happened on the third goal. It was like a like a break, like a one v one or something like that. I don't even remember. Um, so it wasn't like they were like rocking and rolling and looking like uh, you know the twenty fourteen Columbus Crew or anything like that. Um, Ryan says, "Do you think Herbers needs a run of games with Bethlehem to get his form back?" I know El Senio came on against tired legs, but he had an immediate impact. Uh, compared to the non-mark when Herbers left on the match. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's probably going to have to be that way because when Pico comes in and starts, then is El Senior the first right winger off the bench? And is Corey Burke the first winger off the bench on the other side? I, I don't know where Fabian is on the depth chart at, at this point. Uh, Matthew says, the worst platform network to broadcast a sporting event. Uh, is it MLS with the Livewell Network or MLB with Facebook? Yeah, Philly's game was on Facebook today. What the hell is that all about? Can you imagine all those, like, 60-year-old baseball fans trying to find the game on Facebook? Uh, I'll say the MLB with Facebook because, uh, you know, even if we grumble about the Live Well Network, at least it's easy enough to find. But I try to think of, like, my, my grandfather trying to find the Phillies game on Facebook, and it's just, like, not uh, not going to work. You know, at least at least for us, we could flip through all 1,500 channels on Fios and eventually stumble onto it, you know. Uh, Alex says, is it possible our great midfield isn't all that great and will be an issue all year? Uh, yeah, it's possible. I mean, Madunianino has always been a defensive liability, and Bedoya, I just, you know, he's just a glue guy out there. I just don't really see a lot from him. 
Uh, Jared says the over under for attendance on a snowy night game against San Jose. Uh, I'll set the over under on uh, 9,000, and you guys tell me what you think. Um, what else have we got here? Connor says, is Baxter a number a better number 10 than Dogecoll? Uh No, probably not. Baxter's positioning is terrible. Um, he doesn't really listen very well. Uh, he's not good uh, with teammates at the dog park. And uh, I, if we're being honest, I don't think he knows his own name. Uh, Rich says in three years, Fabian and Herbers will be blank. Fill in the blank. Uh, that's good. That's a good question. Fabian Herbers will probably not be on the union. That's for sure. I mean, I just don't really see. Uh, I, I mean, I don't see it, you know. Why am I perpetually, this guy's name is Austin, I think. Why am I perpetually sad when I think of or watch the union? Um, why aren't, I think the question is, why are you not perpetually sad? I think everybody is, you know. Um, well, the answer to the question, I think, because you look at what other people have and you want that, you know. Zip em Up says, is a hot dog a sandwich? I don't think so because the bread is connected. Like, uh, you know, where it comes together, we put the hot dog in the thing, but, like, the bread is not, like, two separate pieces of bread. So I thought a sandwich had to have, like, two separate pieces of bread. That's my answer. Uh, Union Hulk, here we go. Uh, this is all, this is in all capital letters. Why are we back on Live Well Network with all those fart infomercials? Can we stop regressing and actually try to be good at something? There's no punctuation in that tweet at all. Um why are we back? Of the, I, you know, I'm just going to not answer that question, and I'm going to end the podcast on that. How about that? So thank you, Union Hulk, for your contributions. Thank you, Simon Allen, for jumping on the show. Check out his stuff at simonallensoccer.com. And thank you to all of you for listening to all one hour and five minutes and 37 seconds of this, John. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. Peace.